1: Free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
2: Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it?
1: I got a huge assist from Grammarly
2: You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.
0: You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
3: Your team every day.
4: Hello, friends, welcome to episode 441 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live deep into the night here. Actually, I guess technically Wednesday morning at this point in time. Uh, you know, a lot to catch up on from the last couple of days. If you missed the podcast yesterday, I do want to recommend going back and listen to episode 440 when we talked about media day. I was on site, you'll hear more audio on this podcast, but there's plenty of audio. From that particular show, uh, actually Tuesday marked the start of training camp as the Hawks had two sessions. Only a portion of the early session during the day uh, was actually available to the media, but they had two sessions: one in the late morning and then one in the evening. I attended at least part. Uh, I guess it was a very a pretty brief moment of that early session today, and saw a short portion of that with you know some scrimmaging, some uh, free throw shooting, some sprints, some you know standard training camp stuff. Not too much exciting stuff there, I will say. Cole Aldrich, uh, there was a, br- a brief blip on Monday in which he uh, was not, i was not 100 sure he was gonna be on the roster honestly moving forward because he was not in media day and of course he's this non non-roster in non-guaranteed contract player but he was in attendance on tuesday that's the one sort of actual news note from being in the building there on tuesday but uh, that's uh, very important that you want to i mean catch up if you if you feel led to a uh, catch up on media day uh, there'll be more audio on this podcast but we also talked a lot about that yesterday on the show so you know fair warning there um before we get into the meat of the podcast, I would say, which is, the you know, I guess the rest of that, of that media day audio, I got a lot of questions about, I was actually surprised, a lot of questions about kind of what the Hawks would do with their rotation, um, with the current injuries that are actually affecting things right now, you know, a lot of uncertainty there with regard to all these guys and no firm timetables for return. No one has been, you know, I guess, ruled out for the regular season opener, for instance. We're still, you know, four weeks away or so from that opener against um, the Knicks on the road. So it's one of those things where there's a lot of there's a lot going on, so it's not a situation where there's anything really uh, hard, hard and fast in terms of rules here. But there is some fluidity, and a lot of people asking what would go on, so I want to at least address a little bit of that uh, about that on on the podcast today. Uh, the big man spots uh, Dwayne Debman and Amari Spellman are both currently uh, not practicing and they're injured. Dedmon, of course, had the avulsion fracture; he's uh, now out of his walking boot, and actually was set to be re- reevaluated on Tuesday. I've not heard word as of uh, as of yet as to, what, as to how that went, but Dedmon, of course, is the incumbent. Um, returning starting center and someone who I think will be the starting center if he's healthy on opening day with that said you know he's not healthy right now so it's a situation where there's something to keep him uh keep keep in mind and keep an eye on uh otherwise Amari Spellman uh, has left shin soreness he's actually sp- supposed to be out about seven to ten days seems to be not that serious of an injury he was uh, it was he was uh, around moving and uh, kind of just being involved in the proceedings of today at practice when I was there still not fully practicing at this point in time so those two guys are interesting and they, and they sort of go in tandem so we'll address them in tandem i would say at this point it's, it does seem likely that both debon and spellman will be back for the regular season I, w- I wouldn't be stunned if either one of them missed the opener but at the same time i would project that both are available you know provided there are no setbacks so just putting that on the table first but i did again had a couple of questions about people um, wondering how things would work if, they, if those guys were not available so um you know if debman were to miss time uh, individually, I think that Alex Lamb would be the guy who would see the most major uptick in minutes. I think you would start, almost certainly, alongside John Collins. And um, after that, it, I think actually Miles Plumlee would actually be part of the rotation for a while. In that case, you know, if uh, Devon were to miss and Spellman was to be available, I think you might see more Spellman early on in the season than I probably would have uh, anticipated. With that said, I think Plumley would actually be a part of the team because, you know, going into the season – The Hawks want to use John Collins at the 4, and as a result of that, there's all these minutes at the 5, and they probably would be looking to use Plumlee at least early on uh, to provide some value there. Um, if it was reversed and you actually had Spellman uh, available and not Deadman available, I'm sorry. If Spellman was out and deadman was available, uh, one of the situations where I think it, that wouldn't change a whole lot. It would be a lot of Debbin and Lannett center, along with Collins. I guess filling in some of that time, where as Collins would be sort of the full time four, and then behind that, um, as projected, probably would go more small ball lineups. Um, maybe the Hawks keep Thomas Robinson, but if they don't do that, there really is only that, that one natural power four on the roster if Spellman were to miss time, and that is Collins. So there would be a lot. They'd be relying on small ball. And that would be. Mean- a huge problem, but at the same time, it's at least something to keep in mind that I do think that, again, both guys, I'm assuming, are going to be ready for the regular season start. With that said, Dedman especially, if he were to miss time, it would certainly impact a lot of things. I think you would probably see a lot more time for Alex Lynn. and I think having Alex Lynn is a nice stopgap there because I think he can really play. With that said, behind him, not terribly exciting with Miles Plumley, so uh, something to keep an eye on. Elsewhere, Justin Anderson is the other, I guess, sort of maybe not, maybe not headliner, but someone who is certainly projected by a lot of people to be in a rotation. He is still not playing uh, after having surgery on his uh, tibia. He had tibial stress syndrome in, in late June. He, originally, when that was actually, he was actually still a part of the Sixers organization when that when that took place. Originally, that was supposed to be a six to eight week timetable for reevaluation. He has been looked at. He's not practicing just yet. But I think if you were to follow the tea leaves there, that original timetable, it looks like he'll probably be. be, be available when the season starts with that said again a situation where I would, not, I would not bank on that necessarily without more information if healthy i would say that anderson is at least for me would be in the rotation i would project him in the rotation even without the certainty level that i would when it, when it comes to that top seven guys that we talked about before in the podcast if you're a new listener there are seven guys on this roster that i am very confident if they are healthy will be in the rotation um that is trey young jeremy lynn Kit Baysmore, Torian Prince, John Collins, Dwayne Deben and Alex Lynn, um, and that kind of leaves out a lot of the guys on the uh, on the wing. Um, you know, I would project some guys more than others, but you know, in terms of just full on certainty about re- being in rotation, opening night, those are the seven guys that I am more, sh- I am most sure about if they are healthy. Anderson's not in that group. With that said, I, I do think that if he is, if he's healthy and uh, practices enough in training camp to be familiar with what's going on, he would be in my projected rotation. So that's something to keep an, keep an eye on there. Um, if, if he can't start the season at full go, I would imagine that you'll see more of guys like Vince Carter at the backup three and four spots. You might even see Alex Poitras, who's on a two-way contract. Uh, before the G League season starts, the uh, the days do not count in terms of uh, guys who are on two ways. Uh, they could be up in Atlanta without penalty of that 45 days. We saw that last year with Dr. Majep. Um, this year, we, we might see that with, with Alex Poitras, especially if Anderson can't go, I think Poitras would be a very natural backup four candidate. I think he's uh, probably best as a small ball four, and that would be a good spot to use some of his time and see what you have in him. Uh, he's a relatively young guy who I actually kind of like a little bit, but um, you know, it would be a good spot for him to take some minutes there if uh, Anderson was unavailable. available. Still, with that said, you also can see some more small ball stuff with more playing the three. Um, you, know, you know, Kevin Herter might get more minutes, that kind of stuff, but I, I do think Anderson is someone who i like quite a bit. It's a situation where, you know, there's some uncertainty, but he does have the, at least the added familiarity with Lloyd Pierce dating back to Philadelphia. So he might be ahead of the eight ball just a little bit, a little bit more than you might expect for a guy who's not playing just yet. But um, that's something that uh, obviously uh, his, his presence would be, would be very helpful at this point in time. Uh, lastly, on the uh, pre, I guess pre-training camp injury list, you know Jeremy Lin's available. I think for pretty much full go. So Daniel Hamilton, uh, he suffered a tear in his rotator cuff in mid-September. This is me speculating, but I think this is probably the scariest injury when it comes to the actual impact on him individually. When it comes to Hamilton's uh, prognosis for the future, I already thought he was kind of going to be the maybe if not the last guy on the roster, one of the last guys on the roster. He's on this one-year guaranteed contract. It is guaranteed, which is important to note. But I think. Um, you know projecting forward I would have probably had him as one of the lower guys in minutes on this team Um, and now with the injury that makes things even more difficult for Daniel Hamilton you know he's, he's getting that late start it is a guaranteed contract again. I would say, but if the Hawks thought that he was going to miss extended time, it wouldn't blow me away if they were just kind of move on from Hamilton. They have to pay him. That's something that's important to note. They have to pay him regardless. But if they are looking for a roster spot and Hamilton is uh, is injured, they could move on from him, not knowing that if you know you kind of write off a couple, you know, month or two or three depending on how serious the injury is. If that's going to be that long, that's something to keep an eye on as well. I wouldn't project that flat out, but you know Hamilton kind of being behind the eight ball is not ideal for him because there really is no security in a one-year contract, even when it is guaranteed. So you know, look for him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, I would not have projected him as as a rotation player. Regardless, I don't think he's got much of a chance to crack this rotation all season long barring some serious injuries with that said I do think this is going to be really harmful for him to uh, at least in an attempt to what I'm sure he wants to crack the rotation Uh, this is a tough a tough break for him to be er injured early early in the year and sort of fighting an uphill battle so you know shouts to him hopefully that comes uh, through he's and he's healthy sooner rather than later I do kind of like Daniel Hamilton's game a little bit I just think he's kind of fighting an uphill battle now and uh, that's sort of that before we get to the rest of the podcast, I do want to remind you guys um, to subscribe to the pod and all that fun stuff, but uh, before we talk even more about that, I do want to talk to about the good folks at Vivid Seats. We all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the building to cheer on our favorite team, and with Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or even sporting event of your choice at a fantastic price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all live events that you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in a section or row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for this podcast as new listeners to, can receive $20 off orders of $200 or more to save even more money on their ticket purchases. So go to the App Store or Google Play or download um, the Vivid Seats app. Use the promo code LOCKED ON. That's promo code LOCKED ON for $20 off of orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a, by a 100% guarantee. So, from the biggest concerts to games like the Braves in the playoffs, for instance, or the Falcons local, locally, to the hottest theater tickets and more, Vivid Seats has it all. So, download the app and enter promo code locked on one more time. That's promo code locked on for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Thanks for sponsoring the pod today. And we'll uh, get moving forward on the rest of the podcast. Some audio stuff from from Monday, as I promised you guys on yesterday's show, we'll be kind of where, you know, running along a little bit. There's a lot of audio to sift through, uh, but I, I wanted to pass along, uh, especially two guys um, sort of on their own and on their own impressions, one of which is Tori and Prince, where we'll start here. Uh, Prince is, of course, you know, one of the founding, I guess, core guys on this on this roster right now. As a you know, former lottery pick that had a really nice year last year. So you know, at first he was asked about um, his first impressions of Lloyd Pierce and how different things would be uh, under Pierce versus uh, Mike Budenholzer. You know, that was a question that was asked of a lot of guys uh, at media day. But I thought Torian's answer was particularly interesting. So here's what he had to say about the transition from one staff to the other.
5: Um, very. Very into who you are as a person. Uh, I think you gain a lot of respect that way. Um, Approaching situations and people in that type of manner. Um, he's done his job as far as the coaching and when we're on the we're on the floor directing. But I think I think his biggest impact has probably been the things he's held for us off the floor, the things he speaks about, um, the, camar- the camaraderie he he holds us to the standard, and I think
4: that'll take us a long way. So obviously. Uh... I'm not sure that Torian was saying that uh, Budenholzer was not into people as you know into his players as people but something that I th- I thought was emphasized quite a bit from a lot of different guys is just sort of the interpersonal aspect of Lloyd Pierce I do think that was something the Hawks wanted uh, during their coaching search they wanted someone who was young enough um, that could um, identify with players and was a player development focused kind of guy Lloyd Pierce checks that box to be sure he's been very engaging with the media which isn't the biggest deal in the world but it's definitely a change from Budenholzer was not always the guy who I would say enjoyed the media I think he you He was better at times, but a situation where Pierce is very comfortable talking. Uh, he's very comfortable with players and sort of being that player development guy that I think the Hawks wanted. So again, he fits that, he fits that timetable beautifully. And, uh, that was one example of a, of a player talking about that with Lloyd Pierce, uh, Elsewhere, uh, there's actually some bad audio that I'm not going to play for you guys because the audio was so bad. My apologies for all the background noise and all of the uh, media day audio. <laughs> I was talking to the, some Hawks PR guys on um, on Tuesday about sort of the balls bouncing and all that fun stuff. To probably try clean clean that up in the future, but situation where uh, it's kind of unavoidable. There's just so much going on at media day that you kind of have to bear with sound. So my apologies on that. But uh, there was some bad audio that I had that was talking about. Um, I actually I actually asked Torian Prince about his late season surge um, last last year, kind of what he took away from that. He told talked about how much that gave him more confidence and assertiveness and how that should help him in the future. He was uh, talking about just kind of, um, you know, being more assertive. He answered a lot of different questions about his defense and kind of, you know, his his comfort level in the new system and all that fun stuff. But I was particularly taken by, back by the fact that he seems to be very confident. I think he fouled a lot of uh, what he did last year away. I think, you know, gun to his head, I'm not sure if he would know or acknowledge this, but I think it'll be good for him, um, honestly, long term to have that that stretch last year. I'm not sure that Torian Prince is a primary offensive option. In fact, I would bet against it. With that said, it definitely helps him to have that experience under his belt, and I'm all about him taking quality looks from three-point range. You know he shot the ball last year to the point where I'm now comfortable with him as as a quality three point shooter, and that really helps because uh, you know I think he was he was aggressive. He showed that. I think his confidence is very important in him taking shots. He's, he's going to have to launch shots because they don't have. I mean, aside from you know Jeremy Lin, I mean not Jeremy Lin, uh, Trey Young and Kevin Herder, who are both rookies. They don't really have that like knockdown shooter. They have guys who can really shoot it, like Torian can actually really shoot it. Kent Bazemore had, nice, had a nice shooting season last year. They don't have that uber elite guy, but they're going to need to have guys you know ready to let it fly. Whether that be Torian, Kent, you know Tyler Dorsey, whoever else, whoever else is out there needs to be able, needs to be ready to shoot, and Torian is ready to do that. So that's something to file away. Uh, moving on from there, talked to Kent Bazemore about a lot of different topics. He was actually asked about the rebuild, and uh, he actually went 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 off with that with a very very long answer. I want to play that for you because Bazemore is sort of the leader of this team. I know we'll talk about this in a second, but Vince Carter has gotten a lot of the headlines about leadership with good reason. He's a future Hall of Famer who's you know 40 plus years old, but you know last year Bazemore was certainly the leader on the team. I think this year coming into the season, he's probably the leader of the team. You know aside from you know again again Vince and of course the coaching staff, Bazemore is the guy who's been here the longest. All that fun stuff. So. I thought it was at least interesting to hear him talk a lot about his new teammates, his new teammates, his old teammates, all that fun stuff. So here's Baze on a lot of different guys. I think there's different uh,
5: different types of rebuild. Uh, we'll rebuild them we, we'll, we'll here now with, uh, I think, with, with a lot of guys around for a very long time. Very, very talented young guys. Uh, Tony Prince, Vanbury, John Collins, uh, all returning from last year. Uh, DeAndre's had a... Great summer. Uh, Torian finished the season really strong. And he's had a great summer. John Collins is uh, John Collins is one of the most athletic people I've ever seen in my life. Uh he's starting to play a lot better and you know, figure out the game. And then you bring in Trey Young, who was supposed to score in college. Uh, he was chip on his shoulder. Kevin Hurley who's very, very underrated. And, and Amari Spellman, who will probably be. Um, you know, you look down the road, you see a guy like you know Draymond Green that came out you know really low but will have one of the best careers in his class i think um, super talented if shoot it uh very very passionate about the game plays hard not scared to get in your face and, uh, and, 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 and as a young guy having that fearlessness is uh, what to get you over the heart and start so i think they did a really good job of. Uh, Travis i said it when he first came here yeah he Great offensive talent, and you know he really doesn't miss. So uh, it's good to see that he has these type of guys in here. Dean Brain game, uh, Alex Land, uh, Miles has had a great summer. Um, uh, Alex Poitras, uh, Jeremy Land, Vince Carter was going to kind of top us off as you know that guy that's been around the block. And, so we have a great mix of you know wisdom and youth uh, that really gives us a great recipe for success.
4: I thought it was interesting to hear Bayes you know, go out of his way to praise Travis Schlink and his eye for talent. You now, of course, the, he knew each; they knew each other going back to Golden State. Um, but something that uh, is you know important to note that you know that Schlink has that reputation around the league as someone who has a real eye for talent. That's why he's in his job. That he has now. Some GMs are more like cap guys and uh, you know strategic kind of guys. It's you know Schlank is definitely more of a scout, and that's something to keep in mind because uh, you know he's betting big on Trey Young, for instance, and Kevin Herter, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, that is what he's taking his uh, his his job on his performance on. So good to hear some ups um, some positive feedback. Back from Bazemore in that regard, I would push back uh, quite a bit on Bazemore's comp of uh, Amari Spellman to Draymond Green. <laughs> Honestly, that's not the first time I've heard that, but that's something that I think is. Um not ideal uh, for Amari Spellman, uh, to be honest with you. I think a lot of it has to do with Spellman's motor, which everybody, everybody seems to love, which I definitely agree with. He, you know, having a, having a good motor definitely helps you. Being competitive really helps you. People like his uh, personality quite a bit. With that said, defensively, they're just not in the same tier and they probably never will be, honestly. Um, I get the motor stuff and the makeup questions and all that fun stuff, and the comparison makes some sense to that degree. You have guys who had some body issues in college, like Draymond lost a ton of weight when he got to the league. Spellman's lost a ton of weight already and probably needs to lose more all that fun stuff but I pushed back on that just a little bit but aside from that nothing crazy um Bazemore was then asked and we'll kind of finish up with this when it comes to uh, some mentoring stuff Baysmore was asked about guys who he's taken under his wing so far this year and I wanted to let you go know what he uh, actually had to say about that
5: I mean all the guys really man we, we got a, we got a group here that really loves to learn uh, always asking questions uh, always asking about you know moments and stuff they you know it, it was funny you you never know who's watching you know first couple of times i came in and worked out with the team you had guys like talking about all these games and plays that you know they may have seen me in and uh then vince carter rolls in and i'm telling him about stuff you know he's he's dunking alonzo morning and he cleared the guy in the u.s in the olympics and he jumped over that seven foot guys so it it just puts into perspective um you know, how fortunate I am to be in this situation. I'm grateful that these guys kind of lean on me and trust me, Uh, basically, you know, with the start of their careers to kind of get them going on the right path.
4: You can hear Kent say that you know. In, in addition to him being a leader on this team, which is undeniable, he might be he might be the leader, as I mentioned a second ago. Uh, he's actually being mentored as well a little bit by Vince Carter, which is something that was a, a running theme, and, it's, and that's why I'm ending with it on the podcast. You know, was, you know, Vince was a popular figure. You know, undeniably, the reason, at least part of the reason to, uh, that both Vince Carter and Jeremy Lin were such popular figures at Media Day, in addition to being famous, that they're new additions to the team. That's a very new storyline, all that fun stuff. But with Vince Carter. It's a very uh, interesting appeal because he is north of forty. Um, he's probably going to be doing TV in the very near future. He's a future Hall of Famer. He had this great career. Uh, he has a lot to teach, but he also thinks he can play, and I think he can as well. It's just what, kind of the question about how much how much they're going to play him. It's a very very uh, I guess multi layered story, but a lot of takeaways from different players on what Vince is already doing for them and you know looking up to him and all that fun stuff. So I'm not going to play all of the audio from different players because almost everyone was asked about Vince Carter in some some form or fashion, but. But a couple of guys i wanted to at least pass along what they had to say because it was very interesting to me uh, first is tyler dorsey and uh, here's what tyler had to say about vince carter knowledge um, that's I don't, that's a lot of years of knowledge in the league you know
5: just knowing how to do off the court stuff on the court just picking his brain every day is going to be great for me personally i'm going to try to pick his brain during games all, after games whatever i can um he's, he's going to be a legend for sure and all that knowledge, I'm gonna try to soak up for how many years
4: he's here. You know, not knowledge is uh, clearly something that Dorsey and others want to take away from Vince Carter, and that's a pretty obvious thing. But it's also something that needs to be said because, you know, Vince is Vince was a star level player. He was also a a star level role player. Like one, later in his career, Vince was a quality. Um, you know, rotation, you know, starting you know, a starter, but starter, but not, but non-star, and they transition to the supporting role. Um, You know, he's kind of done everything in the league from being that top flight rookie to legitimate, you know, full-blown all-star to uh, all the other roles that you can do. So there's, in addition to having the 20 plus years of service in the league, he kind of has done it all. And that's something that I think guys could take a lot of, a lot from and just kind of work habits, especially the wings, you know, guys who were playing the position that uh, Vince, always you know, used to play now that he's, I guess Vince is more of a three, four at this point in time, but Previously, he was certainly more of that traditional swingman and guys like Dorsey and Kevin Herter, uh, you know, you know, Kent Bazemore even, DeAndre Bembry, who we'll talk about in a second. All those guys kind of learn from that, so that's something to uh, keep in mind. Uh, next guy, and the last guy of audio that I'll play for you on Vince Carter in the sense, that's just know that, again, pretty much everyone was asked about Vince in some way, so there's probably even more quotes floating around that you've probably already seen or heard and all that fun stuff, but here is... um. Here's Bembry. I think it was very interesting to just kind of note the position where Bembry is coming from in uh, viewing Vince Carter, which we'll hear in a second, and then just how he uh, has already been impacted. And you might remember, at least before I play this audio for you, that last week when uh, Lloyd Pierce was asked about, um, I guess the player, I I guess Vince asked Lloyd Pierce uh, kind of what he could do, and Pierce immediately sent him to Bembry, so that crossover is very apparent already. And here's what DeAndre had to say about Vince Carter.
3: Well, I'll start off by saying he's my favorite player. Really? Yes seriously um so that was pretty dope just uh meeting him the person or whatever but like you said just learning from any anyone from that's been in any type of situation where they've been there for 20 years um they're experienced um you could just pick their brain from the smallest things that you wouldn't even care of but which you might need to know so um he's been to every position i want to be in so um i think that's basically what coach is trying to tell me um I'm trying to get to where he's at 20 years later, and hopefully I'm still playing. I mean, not so many people can do that and still look good at look good doing it, still get paid doing it. Um, so um, it's, just, it's just more so just the smaller things picking his brain, how to be, be in places on time, how to talk to people, what, what they expect, and all types of stuff.
4: It may seem a little bit odd that Ben Brees favorite player would have been Vince Carter, but it also makes a ton of sense because if you think about it, Vince is now in his 40s. DeAndre is a pretty young player, even though he was a, a veteran college guy, you know, being in his, you know, low to mid-20s, they're kind of in the age range where, you know, Vince is 16, 17, 18 years older than a lot of these guys. And if you think about who your who your favorite players were as kids, it was generally guys in their prime. So if you were seven, eight years old, Guys in their prime were 25, 26 years old, and that's Vince Carter and Yanni Rembry. So it makes a ton of sense there. It's not every day that you can play with someone who you looked up to quite quite, quite that way. You know, a lot of these, you know, top prospects that play in high school, uh, you know, when they're – you kind of know who the guys are by the time they get to high school, and their favorite players – our guys in the league, and that, that that can often happen, but it's not every day that you see someone who could have been their favorite player at age five, six, seven, eight, um, that is still playing in the league when they arrive in the league, especially as a guy who's a little bit older, uh, as a young player in Bembry, So you know, it's a very cool story in that way. Carter has a lot to bring to the table on and off the court. I, I would recommend Jeff Siegel wrote a piece about Vince Carter for Peachtree Hoops on Tuesday, talking about his leadership role. I do think you know, there's still an open question as to how much Vince is going to play and how much is how much his on-court is going to make, but the court you know he checks every box of what you would want uh, as someone in the locker room I know you know he's taking you know quote-unquote taking a spot away from someone who could be part of the Hawks future but with that said the opportunity cost is so low there and Vince is has, uh, has kind of the profile of someone who could teach a lot of these guys I think continually that he'd be a great person to have in Trey Young's ear you know they're not identical players by any means but Vince Carter was at one point you know kind of the rising star you know, maybe not the most popular play in the league, but certainly on the very short list. when he was, you know, winning the dunk contests and all that fun stuff. Trey Young is very, very famous. He can kind of learn from Vince Carter and how to deal with all of that. Um, Vince had some foibles in his younger days. You know, he wasn't always beloved. His exit from Toronto was not great. With that said, he's now sort of that old head that knows what to do and what not to do. And uh, I'd be, he'd be a great mentor for any of the young players on the team, but especially guys like Trey, guys like Kevin Herter, even John Collins and Torian Prince. even though know, those guys are more established now. They're kind of veterans in their own right. Um, Vince can teach uh, <laughs> teach a lot of teach. A lot to a lot of different people. So that, and that was kind of a theme that I wanted to point out as we wrap up today's podcast. So that will do it for today. I really would encourage everybody to subscribe to the podcast, both on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, or, you know, tune in radio, Google Play. Um, we're also on Megaphone, which is the hosting platform and every single podcast has an episode, I guess has an episode post at com. So there's a lot of places you can, you can listen to the podcast as well as on Twitter, I'll post every single show on my podcast, uh, sorry, on my Twitter feed, at bt roland also the show has a twitter feed at locked on hawks uh please you know leave five leave, leave five stars if, if you like the podcast do all that fun stuff as well And that, that's a speaking crutch that i have to say i uh, do a lot of fun stuff with we we'd like to have fun on the show and we will certainly be trying to do that throughout the season so that'll kind of wrap up all the media day stuff for now you know training camps going on there's brief availabilities, but for the most part there isn't too much you know actively going on outside the doors i wish that we could we had a camera that could watch all of training camp but um for the most part you might you might not be surprised to hear that media are not really shown much in training camp so uh you know monday will be the first opportunity to see these guys publicly play in a preseason game which is right around the corner honestly we're now less than a week away from from actual on court um content to discuss so that'll be very very nice and until we get there we'll have at least one more podcast this week before i go out of town i'm actually traveling traveling over the weekend so if something were to happen hopefully that that won't happen but uh i'll be out of town for three four days to kind of preparation for the season and then once the season starts we'll be locked in kind of on a daily basis you know five days a week or so and uh looking forward to having the uh, typical run and uh, kind of wrapping things up in the future in the future so thanks for listening uh, to the podcast everybody and we will see you guys later on in the week
2: hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today